Hello, everyone, and welcome inside episode two of the TBH Sports Podcast. I am your host, Tyler Henry. It is fantastic to have you with me here again today as we get set for the NFL preview edition of the TBH Sports Podcast, and this should be a good one. We've been looking forward to football for a long time, and even though it's happening here in the next couple of days, it almost doesn't feel real. I mean, I mean, the fact that everything got shut down as quickly as it did for COVID-19, there were a lot of questions, a lot of concerns surrounding whether or not we would have an NFL season in 2020, but lo and behold, on Thursday night, it'll be Chiefs and Texans, and what a way to kick off the 2020 season. So I'm very excited, and of course, I know a lot of other people are as well. For this edition of the podcast, going to be taking you through the entire NFL, and I'll do at least a little bit on each team. I want to talk about some of the playoff contenders, obviously, a little bit more than some of the bottom feeders, but... At the end of the day, my goal here is to try to get in and out of each team as quickly as possible, give you guys a little bit on each, and of course, we'll have the final results put up on Twitter as well in terms of standings and playoff predictions. So let's get right into it. We'll start things off in the AFC, more specifically the AFC West, and more specifically than that, we will be starting things off with the 2019 champion, Kansas City Chiefs, and Kansas City There's really nothing not to love here. You've got Patrick Mahomes, who just signed one of the most ridiculous contracts, not only in all of football history, but in all of sports history. Mahomes, when you look at the numbers on paper, it's almost unbelievable, not only how much money he's getting paid, but also the amount of time that he will be a Kansas City Chief, unless something dramatic changes down the line. And I know a lot of people have been talking about his legacy. Where will he be as an all-time great when he retires? How many rings will he have? Personally, I think his minimum is three rings before he calls it quits for his career. Upwards of five, you know, maybe even more than that if things go perfectly right. Now, will one of those rings be earned into the 2020-21 season? I don't know. Uh, personally, I don't know that you know Kansas City is going to be able to repeat. It's very difficult to go back-to-back, but here's the nice thing. He has a little bit more help even than he had last season. I know there have been guys that have decided to forgo the 2020 season due to COVID-19 concerns, but he's going to get a boost in the backfield in Clyde Edwards-Hilaire, a guy that if you follow Jordan Foote on Twitter, at best foot forward, he has been hyping this man up for so long. And the more you look at Clyde Edwards-Hilaire and his repertoire, what he brings to the table, the more you really start to like the guy, especially in a Chiefs system that has such a high-powered offense and such a need for a guy like Clyde who is able to go out in the flat, catch passes, make guys miss, and pick up extra yards. I think if things go as good as they can for Hilaire, by the end of the season, he could be in a position like what we saw Christian McCaffrey in a few years back, although he will have more options around him, so don't expect those kinds of numbers for fantasy. The last note on the Kansas City Chiefs is this. Their schedule is ridiculously easy this year. Generally, when you win the Super Bowl, you come back into the next season and your schedule is tough. But when I was running through the schedule and predicting whether or not they would win or lose certain games, there were only four games where I did not automatically pencil in the Chiefs for a win. They were Houston in Week 1, Baltimore in Week 3, New England in Week 4, and New Orleans in week 15. But other than that, there is not a game on this schedule that the Kansas City Chiefs should not be able to pull off a win in, and that is why I have them going 13-3 and in the 2020 football season. Moving on to a team that will be finding a new home this year, the Las Vegas Raiders. It'll be an interesting year for the Raiders to be sure. I think there have been a lot of, a lot of speculation and a lot of questions surrounding this team in the last couple of years, and I guess the thing for me with this team is I don't know that they use their draft picks as wisely as maybe they should have. They were 4-12 two seasons ago. Last year, they went 7-9, but let's not forget, they had a king's ransom worth of draft picks in in that draft, and while yes, they did get some good value out of it, I just didn't see them take the step up that I think they could. I still think Derek Carr has time to turn this team around. I still think that he could be one of those viable quarterbacks, but... I look at what they went out and got this year in Henry Ruggs and in their cornerback at Arnett, and I just don't know that those two guys are going to be enough to right the ship for the Raiders this season. I think it'll be another 7-9 year for Vegas. I think that in their new home, you know, obviously not playing with fans isn't going to help the black hole not necessarily relocating out of Oakland and into Vegas this year. But again, I I just don't know that you've ever looked at a team and said, wow, that team is a cornerback and a wide receiver away from really taking that next step. So 
you know, it'll be interesting to see what they manage to do this year. I think they do have a lot of really good depth on the offensive side. And again, I think Derek Carr gets gets hurt a little bit or gets hit a little bit too much uh, in terms of not only from his offensive line, but by members of the media for what he may or may not be able to do. So 7-9 and nine for them. They're not the only team that I have going 7-9 and nine in the AFC West. I also have the Los Angeles Chargers going 7-9. and nine. I got that right. Didn't call them the San Diego Chargers. And here's the deal with the Chargers. If you flip every single one possession game, you flip the results of those games last year for every NFL team. The San Diego, the Los Angeles Chargers, there I did it there, I knew it was going to happen at some point or another, the Chargers would have been the second best team in the AFC. Everyone was saying they were one play away in so many different games. They just kept finding new and interesting ways to lose every week. And here's my problem. You take that team that went out and did what they did last season, they were so close, and now they go from Phillip Rivers, who, yes, throws a lot of interceptions, but is a capable veteran quarterback, to Tyrod Taylor. I don't dislike Tyrod Taylor. I think throughout his entire career, he's been given a bad rap. He was treated completely unfairly by the Bills organization when he was there. But I just don't think that Tyrod Taylor is the guy. And yeah, if you want to go down the depth chart one more spot, they do have a rookie quarterback in Justin Herbert. But I think anyone that has gone to Arizona State and watched Pac-12 football over the last few years knows that Herbert probably isn't ready to take the next step and become a viable NFL quarterback, certainly not on a team that is going to make a serious run at the postseason. So I have them missing the playoffs at 7-9, and nine, right up there with their counterpart in the Raiders. I think the only team coming out of this division again is the Kansas City Chiefs, and that leads us to the bottom spot where we have the Denver Broncos. Now, the Broncos are an interesting team because, you know, a lot of people will say, okay, well, their defense can continue to carry them to wins, and they have a really solid backfield in Melvin Gordon, who they acquired in the offseason, and then also Philip Lindsay, who's good enough to be an RB1 on most teams, but he has an opportunity to step in and fill kind of a supplemental role this year. But my problem is not with that, and my problem is also not with the defense, anchored by guys like Von Miller, who have done a phenomenal job over the past couple seasons of keeping the Broncos in games that they had no business being in. My problem is with Drew Locke, and that is every bit as much on the organization as it is on Locke himself, because this is an organization that, let's just be honest, has not exactly made the best decisions when it comes to who they're putting under center at quarterback. Over the past couple of years, they have really gotten high on guys that, let's be honest, just haven't panned out. The Trevor Simeons of the world, the Brock Osweilers of the world, and now it's Drew Locke's turn, and I just don't see him breaking the the chain of events that have led the Broncos to this place. This is a team that Honestly, I think they're a good quarterback away from being a contender. I think they're a good quarterback away from being a team that not only is competing for a playoff spot, but could potentially be competing uh, at the end of the day for championships in a league like this. But they just don't have that right now. And until you shore up the quarterback position, the most important position on the field, I just don't see it happening for a team like the Broncos. So I have them finishing 2020 at 5-11. and 11. We'll see what actually happens, but... Again, you just can't have a quarterback like Drew Locke and and expect to win a lot of games, especially a lot of games where you need somebody to go and make a drive late in the game to come back and get you into that spot. Moving on to the AFC North, the Ravens are a team that is getting so much hype this year, and I think it is absolutely deserved. I've got them going 13-3. The only other team that I have going 13-3 this season is the Kansas City Chiefs. I think this is a team that's going to come out with something to prove this year. I think the Ravens' revenge tour starts today. The day that they take the field is the day that the Ravens come out and say, hey, we know what's happened the last couple of years. We know that we lost to the Chargers and the Titans. We know that this grand team that's been able to get it done in the regular season is 0-2 in the last two years in the postseason. We know that. And we know that people are still making jokes about our quarterback, Lamar Jackson, being a glorified running back who can't throw the ball. We know all of that. We don't care. Because we are a young team, we are a hungry team, and at the end of the day, we're just better than you. 
And I think the Ravens are going to go from being that team on paper to being that team on the field in 2020. You look at the the depth that this team has, they're able to go pretty deep at a lot of positions. And again, that's a really good defense paired with the MVP of the league in Lamar Jackson. And then you add J.K. Dobbins to a backfield that already featured a veteran power back in Mark Ingram. I think this team is going to be incredibly tough to stop. And as I mentioned before, once they get to the playoffs, look out. Because this is a team that is not only going to be playing with talent, they're going to be playing with a little bit of rage and with a big chip on their shoulder. So I'm expecting the Ravens to take the step up in 2020 come playoff time, a regular season record of 13-3. and There is a reason that I think the AFC North is one of the more interesting divisions, and that's just kind of the top heaviness of it. Um, There are a couple of teams that, you know, depending on who is doing the season preview, depending on who is looking at it, this is one of the few divisions where I feel like you could reasonably say all four teams could potentially be in the playoffs. Now, I personally think that's a stretch. I actually don't even have two of these. I don't have two of these teams finishing the season above 500. But the other team that I do have finishing above 500 with the Ravens is the Pittsburgh Steelers. I've got them at 10 and 6. Now, I will say this. The last couple of years, I have been what many of my friends, especially my friends who are Steelers fans, would like to call a Mike Tomlin hater. I don't think he's one of the better coaches in the league. I do think he is a little bit overrated. And I do think he has a tendency sometimes to not always own up to or take responsibility for for mistakes that, let's be honest, have been his. But I think last season, without Big Ben... At times without James Conner, with Juju Smith-Schuster doing whatever it was he was doing last year, I think he really showed that he can work with a team that maybe doesn't have as many pieces as it needs to be successful, and I think that gave me a lot of confidence in the Pittsburgh Steelers heading into the 2020 season. Now, they're going to get Big Ben back. I don't necessarily think that's something that helps them as much as a lot of people do. I think Big Ben is not only past his prime, I think he is probably one, maybe two seasons away from hanging it up and calling it a day, which would be the right decision for him at this point in his career. But that defense is absolutely ridiculous. Position by position, there really isn't a hole on the defensive end when you look at Pittsburgh. And here's maybe the biggest factor that people just aren't talking about. Pittsburgh's schedule this year is a cakewalk. Obviously, Pittsburgh is the only team that I'm going to do this with just for time's sake, but let me just run through their opponents this year. They get to play the Giants, then the Broncos. They'll have a tough couple of games against Houston, Tennessee, and Philly. Then they get to play the Browns. Then, of course, they have to play against the Ravens. But then, Cowboys, Bengals, Jaguars, Ravens again, Washington, Buffalo, Cincinnati, Indianapolis, Cleveland. For a team that has enough talent to be competitive, they are going to have some really easy wins on that schedule. Now, notice that there were a lot of really good playoff teams, not just teams that you expect to make the postseason, but teams that you really expect to go deep into the playoffs on that. But even if you count all of those games as losses, this is still a Pittsburgh team that I am projecting to go 10-6 and this year just based on the fact that while the teams that they're going to lose to are very good, the teams that they're going to beat this year are very bad. So yeah, with that schedule, I think this is a team in Pittsburgh that, you know, they've got a real chance to slip into the postseason, and it'll be interesting to see whether or not they can finish that off. But, you know, the team is is in a prime position to do that. I mentioned James Conner is coming back in full strength this year. Obviously, Big Ben will be back at full strength this year. And Juju Smith-Schuster, keep in mind, this is a contract year for him. So if he's wanting to, uh, to maybe court some suitors, this would be his chance to do that. Moving on down the list in the AFC North, the Cleveland Browns, who had maybe the biggest hype train I have ever seen last season, it left the station, got about 20 miles, and then just completely went off the track and crashed and burned and was never really heard from again. A very middling performance by a team last year that I think me and a lot of people like me looked at and said they're relying far too much on a lot of skill players that are not necessarily those consistent day-to-day kind of guys. Well, here's the problem I have with the Browns this year. I don't really see a lot of things changing for that team from last season to this season. Now, granted, they did go out of their way to draft a tackle and a safety, so I do think that they're finally moving in the right direction in terms of not just going for the flashy guys, but starting to really shore up the positions where they needed a lot of help last year. But I just don't think they're going to be able to take that next step up. They have a brutal schedule throughout this entire season. They kind of got 
on the short end of the stick in that regard. I had them going 7-9, and nine, and, and I guess the last thing that I want to talk about with this team, what is going on with Baker Mayfield? Because here's my problem right now. Baker has been exceptionally quiet, and I know a lot of people have been talking about, okay, well, you know, this is an opportunity for him to be a different type of leader, but I don't think people can just change like that. I don't think you can really, I think there is something to be said for a guy who, you know, maybe was really cocky his first couple years, slowly maturing and becoming that leader in the locker room. But this doesn't feel like that. This feels like Baker Mayfield trying to be something that maybe he isn't from a personality standpoint. And I just don't necessarily think that's going to translate to success on the field. I think when you have a personality as big as Baker Mayfield, similar to Cam Newton, I think you you really have to lean into that rather than shying away from it. And it'll be interesting to see how that translates to what happens on the field for the Cleveland Browns in 2020. I would say last but not least, but... Honestly, they're probably going to finish at the bottom of this division. The Cincinnati Bengals, they went out, they got Joe Burrow, they did what they were supposed to do. They took the best man available, the best position available, and I think Burrow is really going to improve this team, but I don't think they're going to turn into an 8-8 eight and eight team out of the blue this year. I think they still need another solid draft class to shore up some positions where they were lacking before they're going to compete. Now, granted, I do think that they're going to win more than two games, obviously. I think Joe Burrow is really going to put on a show, and I think this is one of those teams that I I could see, you know, losing a lot of games, 35 to 42, 42 to 48, that kind of thing, just because of the offensive capability and weapons that this team now possesses. But at the end of the day, they've got a tough schedule. They play in a tough division. And I still think that they're one draft class away from really turning themselves around into a winning program. I have the Bengals finishing five and 11. Moving on to the AFC East, and this was an interesting one because you have a couple of teams at the top grappling for that top spot, and I went back and forth and back and forth, and eventually what I did was I went into my simulator, I ran the seasons back to back, and I came up with the exact same record for the Buffalo Bills and the New England Patriots. Now, before anyone jumps down my throat, allow me a brief minute to explain myself. For the Buffalo Bills, I think they have the potential to be the new kings of the East if the Patriots find a way to fall off. I don't think that's going to happen. Again, I think both of these teams are going to have really good years. But here's the thing about the Bills. They have real potential. They have one of the better defenses in the league. They have a smothering secondary, a really good pass rush. And for as much flack as he takes, they have Josh Allen, who if he can take the next step, and again, that's a big if, I'm not saying he will take the next step, but if Josh Allen can take the next step and go from being a guy that you look at on a Sunday afternoon and you say, that's a quarterback, to a guy that you say, that's their quarterback. If he steps up and becomes the leader that the Bills want him to be, I really think that the sky is the limits for this Buffalo team. Now, I don't think they're going to be making any kind of deep playoff run anytime soon. I do think they're still a few steps away from that. But if you're talking about wanting Josh Allen to take that next step and really turn into a quarterback and really turn into a guy that's going to go out there and get it done on long drives, they gave him some help. They went out and they got Stefan Diggs. And if Stefan Diggs can stay healthy, we all know the type of capability that he has. You've also got Devin Singletary in the back in the backfield. So again, this is an offense that I think is going to take a big step forward this year. I have them at the top, but as I mentioned before, I do not have them at the top alone because I have them alongside the New England Patriots. Now, the Patriots are an interesting team for a number of reasons. Obviously, the biggest is they lost Tom Brady. They lost the greatest quarterback who has ever played this game, according to 99% of experts who are not Joe Montana or related to Joe Montana or Niners fans. Um, but yeah, they, they lost Tom Brady, who obviously was in the twilight of his career. I'm not saying that he was the, the sole reason that they were winning games last year. And maybe more importantly, they're losing a couple of guys that are still on the roster because they will not have the services this season of Patrick Chung or Donta Hightower. So they're going to be losing a little bit on the defensive side. However, they got something in return that I think might be even bigger and that I think is going to reshape the style of football that the New England Patriots play. They got Cam Newton. And yes, I know, there's plenty of conversation about Cam Newton, how he completely fell off a cliff and how he went from being, you know, the guy who could have led a dynasty to the guy who didn't jump on the football in the Super Bowl on the fumble to the guy that 
kind of just gave up and then had injury issues and couldn't lead a Panthers team that had Christian McCaffrey into a season where they had more than five wins. But he's in a new system. And here's the other thing. Bill Belichick loves this guy. And Bill Belichick doesn't love anybody. I mean, the, the praise that I have heard out of Bill Belichick's mouth in interviews about Cam Newton is pretty much unrivaled by anyone I can remember in recent years other than Tom Brady. So I think this could potentially be not only a big breakout year for Cam Newton, I think this could be a resurgence of a New England Patriots team that goes out there and puts up big points on people. Now, I do think that's going to balance itself out a little bit. I think that you know they do need a little bit more depth at the running back position. But at the end of the day, I think this is a Patriots team that you know when they win their games, they're going to be high-scoring games. And they could really turn into a dangerous team with Cam Newton, Bill Belichick, and enough momentum at the end of the season to where I could really see them having an impact potentially in the playoffs, not just being a team that is a relic of its former self that barely squeaks in. At the end of the season, I have them at 10-6, and six, just like I have the Bills. And at this point, there will be a large drop in my predictions for where these teams in this division will fall, starting with the New York Jets. Here's the thing. I don't think the New York Jets are a bad football team. I I don't. I think they're a bad organization that has had some bad luck recently and that can't stop being mediocre. Because even in the years where it's obvious that the Jets aren't going to make the playoffs, they still find a way to ruin their own tank, win seven games, and not get the draft picks that they need to move on in the future. Now, that being said, I do think they did land one draft pick, and that's Sam Darnold. I know a lot of people are not big on Sam Darnold, but I think this is going to be a big step up year for him. Assuming, of course, that in addition addition to not getting COVID, he can avoid contracting mono. Insert Sam Darnold contracting mono joke here. But yeah, I think this is a a Jets team that is going to take a step up on offense. I think having Le'Veon Bell healthy and ready to go and there for a full season is going to work wonders for this team. And I think they have just enough depth on the offensive end to really keep up. Where I struggle is on the defensive side. Obviously, they lost a huge piece on defense after the trade was demanded by Jamal Adams. I think that's really going to hurt them in the secondary on that side of things. And and at the end of the day, again, I just don't know that they got enough in return to really justify saying that they're going to do a whole lot this year. They also have a pretty brutal schedule. I have them finishing at 5-11. and The final team in the AFC East, the Dolphins, who I have at 2-14. and And yes, I realize that that is a bold prediction for a team that came back and won some games last year. I urge you, for everyone who thinks the Dolphins turned things around in 2019, please do me a favor, go double-check their schedule. It was not very good, and that's a big part of the reason why they were able to get as many victories as they were. Now, there are two side effects to that. Number one, teams are going to be taking them a little more seriously this year than I think they did last season. They're no longer going to be chalked up as being just an easy win on the schedule. And thing number two, they were unable to go out and get the kind of draft picks that I think they maybe would have wanted. Obviously, they landed Tua, who at the end of the day, you know, tank for Tua. That was the plan for the Dolphins from the beginning. But it's not the same Tua tag of Iloa that they were expecting to get. And it'll be interesting to see how he splits time and how quickly they decide to make him the starter with Ryan Fitzpatrick. Which brings me to my last point on this team. Fitzmagic could be back, and that would be absolutely huge, because Ryan Fitzpatrick, he's been a lot of fun. I don't know if I would say he's been good, but he's been a lot of fun the last couple of years. He is the guy that a team that's maybe not sure what they want to do at the quarterback position can pick up, can start, and he can go out there and win them some games in dramatic fashion. So I'm expecting at least one win out of Ryan Fitzpatrick this year. But eventually, I think by the end of the season, Tua is going to be the starter, and I just, again, I don't think with a rookie quarterback and with the pieces around him that this is a team that is built to win very many games. I think if they're smart, they will kind of re-enter that tanking mode and we'll see where they go by the end of the season. But again, for me and my prediction, I have them finishing the year at 2-14. and 14. The final division in the AFC, the AFC South, this is a fun one. Uh, this year, the AFC South is kind of all over the place. You've got a lot of teams grappling for that top spot. Let me run down where I have them, starting with the Tennessee Titans. I have the Titans at 10-6 and six this year. Now, I do think that they overachieved a little bit in 2019. I don't necessarily know that they're going to be able to replicate that success on that level. However, they kind of brought a new model to the NFL, a model that we've seen teams like the San Francisco 49ers using, 
And really, it's a model of success that I think will continue. And that's hard-nosed running, hard-nosed defense, and a quarterback that can do just enough to mix it up and keep defenses off balance. Now, I think Ryan Tannehill took a big step up last year, but I don't know where his ceiling is. I think he is kind of close to that already. And I don't expect him to step up and become a Hall of Fame caliber quarterback overnight. But when you have a guy like Derrick Henry who can just bowl people over and rush for four to five yards on any given carry. And you have a defense that is anchored by guys like Jadavian Clowney, Malcolm Butler, and Kenny Vaccaro. This is a team that I think is going to be going places again in 2020. And it will be very interesting to see how far they can go. I think the sky is the limit for this team. Again, as I said before, I don't think they're going to make the Super Bowl. But I think this is a team that would shock me if they did not find their way back into the playoffs. The team that I have right below them is the team that a lot of people have picked to win this division. It's the Houston Texans. I have them at 9-7, and seven, just one game below the Titans, and here is why. I think if this Texans team can keep everyone healthy, they're one of the best teams in the league. I mean, just look around the offense, look around the defense, look at the players that they have. Top to bottom on paper, this team is great. Here's my problem. Take a look at the guys they're going to be relying on on the offensive end this season. Deshaun Watson, who has had injury issues. David Johnson, who has had injury issues. Will Fuller, who has had a lot of injury issues. And Brandon Cooks, who it's not really his fault. It's not like he was given glass bones. He just can't stop getting hit in the head. And I really don't know what kind of production we're going to see out of Cooks this season. So when your quarterback, your running back, and both of your wide receivers are guys that are very injury prone, it's very difficult for me to just jump on board and back your team, especially as a legitimate playoff contender. Because if they lose even one of those guys for five to six games throughout the season, that could really impact their odds going into the playoffs. And and again, I just don't know if they're going to have enough firepower if one or two of those guys goes down. I also really question Bill O'Brien and whatever was happening in the offseason, the fact that you would trade away one of the best receivers in my opinion, the best receiver in the league right now in DeAndre Hopkins. And in exchange, you get an older, hobbled, fresh off of an injury running back that really didn't perform at his expectation level last year. It's a head-scratching move at best. It's just a straight-up bad move at worst. And we'll see how it does or does not pay off. But despite that, Deshaun Watson and the rest of this Texans offense, they have the talent to be one of the premier teams in the league. I still fully expect them to make the postseason, but I do not think that they will edge the Titans out for the top spot in the division. Two more teams in the division, the Indianapolis Colts, who have really done something interesting the last couple of years. Um, I've got them projected to go 9-7 and seven as well. I don't necessarily think they're going to make the playoffs this year. For the last couple seasons, I've looked at this team, I've looked at the roster, and I've gone, hmm, this is a team that I think is going to make the playoffs. And then every year when I run my simulation and I go through every single one of their games, I have them sitting just on the other side. So far, they have not proved me wrong in that. Now, a big thing with the Colts. I do think that you know a few years ago when they were running Jacoby Brissett at quarterback, they were a quarterback away from being a playoff team. Now they have Phillip Rivers, who is definitely going to be a Hall of Famer. And, you know, he threw a lot of picks last year, but he still threw a lot of touchdowns and threw for a lot of yards as well. My question is, how well does Phillip Rivers fit in to the Indianapolis system? Because I think this is a Colts team that thrives when they're able to run the ball and run the ball well. And obviously, you know, Marlon Mack, a new rookie in the backfield. I think this is a team that's going to want to run the ball this year. My question again, what does Phillip Rivers' role in that look like, and can he live up to what the Colts want for him? I think he boosts the offense, but I don't know how well he meshes with the system, and for that reason, despite the fact that I have them going 9-7, and seven, I think the Colts will end up just outside of the playoffs when all is said and done. And finally, the Jacksonville Jaguars. What a nightmare. I mean, you want to talk about teams, sometimes teams fall apart. This team spontaneously combusted. After dropping Leonard Fournette, keep in mind, they could not even get a fifth-round draft pick for Leonard Fournette. They have less than five players left over from their wildcard team that played against the Bills just a few seasons ago. It's been less than three years, and they have already lost everybody from their one good team. And here's the thing. They drop Leonard Fournette to me, that says that they're going for the tank. They are going to be in a position this year where they're going to get a really good draft pick. Personally, I have them at 2-12. I think they're going to be one of the worst teams in the league this season. 
And you know what? It's going to be a big year for one guy, and that is Gardner Minshew. Because I think what they are communicating to him is, hey, we're going to be tanking this year. We want a better draft pick. We're going to give you 16 games to go out there and prove to us that you are the guy for our future. And if you do not do that, well, if we're in a position to get him, we're going to take Trevor Lawrence. I don't think they're wrong for doing that. I, I look at Gardner Minshew. He's a really fun guy. He's got a really fun mustache. He is very funny on social media. I think he's one of the best interviews that I've seen in terms of quarterbacks. I just don't know that he's the kind of guy that's going to lead your program to a championship. And at the end of the day, that's what it's all about. Every single one of these teams exists to win. And if you can't do that, then that guy is not the guy. So, Again, I think Gardner Minshew is playing for his job this year. I think there's a good chance that he can maybe rise to the occasion, but at the end of the day, this is a Jaguars team that is not going to be expected to do a whole lot. Again, they're running backs currently. James Robinson, Davine Azigbo, Chris Thompson. It's just not a group that's going to get a whole lot done. So I am not expecting a whole lot out of this team. I don't think you should either. I've got the Jags at 2-12. and 12. Moving on to the NFC, and this is a conference that really is going to be interesting this year. I think there are a lot of really good teams. Once again, I think there are more good teams in the NFC than there are in the AFC. It'll be interesting to see how things play out, but let's get things started in the NFC North. And I'll start with a team that I have projected to win the division by just one game in the Green Bay Packers. Now, the Packers had a fantastic season last year. 13 wins, obviously one of the better finishes in all of football in 2019. However, I don't think they made the right decisions in their draft, and I think a lot of people would agree with that sentiment. They went out and got a quarterback in Jordan Love and a running back in A.J. Dillon after they had had another great season out of Aaron Rodgers and an incredible year out of running back Aaron Jones. It was a head-scratching decision, uh, I think, to a lot of people to see them going after positions that they already had, especially when you consider that the window for Green Bay feels like it has been closing year after year after year. They've managed to keep it open, but they still were a few pieces away from really you know, making that final push and being a contender. And I just don't understand what they were doing in the offseason. They didn't really shore up the spots that they needed, and because of that, I think they're going to finish 10-6. and six. Still a good year for the Packers, but I just don't think that with the pieces they have right now, they're capable of going out and competing for Super Bowls, and that's why I have them at 10 and 6. Moving on to a couple of teams that I have finishing at 9 and 7 in this division, the Vikings and Bears, and I think both of them are going to hit what I am going to refer to as the ceiling for these teams in 2019. I think both teams have phenomenal defenses. I'll start with the Vikings. You look at what they have on the defensive side of the ball. I think this is one of the teams that can really go out and shut people down. But again, I just don't know that you're going to get the kind of production out of Kirk Cousins that you need to really exceed nine wins. And honestly, in my projections, again, this could go either way, but I have the Vikings and the Bears just missing out on the playoffs. I think both of them are still a quarterback away from really being a legitimate contender. Uh, I think the other interesting question this year for the Vikings is what does Adam Thielen do without Stefan Diggs lining up across from him on the other side? I think that, you know, when he's drawing the best coverage in every single game, I think it could be great for him from a fantasy standpoint where he's getting a lot more targets and getting a lot more opportunities to really shine. But on the other side of that, I think we really could see Adam Thielen potentially take a step back this season in terms of you know what kind of production he's able to put up because he will be drawing that first cornerback on every single play. When it comes to the Bears, I have them finishing at 9-7 and seven as well. I definitely think that they underachieved last year. I think Mitchell Trubisky is an awful quarterback. I Again, I, we criticized the Bears for drafting him where they did, and then especially when you consider that he was drafted ahead of guys like Patrick Mahomes. It's just not a great look for the organization. But you know what? They've came out and they've said, he is our guy, he is our starting quarterback, and we're going to be rolling with him. So... You know, it'll be interesting to see what that looks like going into this season and what he can do. I think a lot of people are expecting him to take a step up. I just don't know if he's capable of taking a step up. And yes, he has a lot of weapons to throw to. He's got a lot of guys that, you know, he can work with. He's got Jordan Howard in the backfield alongside Tariq Cohen this year. But I just don't think this Bears offense is that impressive. I think a part of the reason why they were able to go out and win 12 games in 2018 was because Matt Nagy brought in a playbook that was so cute and so Madden. And you know what? Once opposing defenses had time to really get in the film room and figure out what they were doing, I think we saw them regress last season. And I think that's going to continue. So 
again, for the Bears, I think that a healthy defense can win them nine games. I think that Trubisky can kind of keep them in some of those, but you get into a situation where you need a guy to lead a drive. Mitchell Trubisky is not that guy, and I still think that the Bears need a quarterback if they're going to be any kind of playoff push type team in 2020. The final team in the division is the Detroit Lions, and big surprise, I have them finishing exactly where I had them finishing, exactly where they did finish last year at 3-13. and I think overall, when you look at the team, look, they're fine. They're a very average to below average football team. They're not quite the train wreck that they were last year. Of course, they went out and got cornerback Jeff Oduka, or Okuda and running back DeAndre Swift. I think that those are two positions where they really did need to shore things up a little bit, but Again, Matt Stafford, Kenny Galladay, this just isn't a team that's going to blow you away on either side of the ball. They lost a lot of pieces on defense, and I just think they're going to drown in a really good NFC North division. You look at their schedule, it's not easy this year. There are not a lot of games where you know they kind of got lucky with a favorable matchup, so I'm not expecting much out of the Detroit Lions this year. I have them finishing the year at 3-13. and Moving on to a division that in the past has been really exciting. In the past, we've looked at this division and we've said this could... this this division could have three playoff teams. Uh, that was the case for several years. That is no longer the case. That is the NFC South. And we'll start at the top. There are two teams you could potentially say win this division. Personally, and I will give the disclaimer, I am a Saints fan. I think the New Orleans Saints, it's still their division to lose. I have them finishing 12-4 and four this year. But here's the thing that I want to talk about with the New Orleans Saints. It's time for them to nut up or shut up. We have seen the narratives over the past couple of seasons. Yes, it's been a heartbreaking run for Saints fans. Yes, there was the Diggs sideline touchdown play. And then it was followed up by the Nikel Roby Coleman play where there was no pass interference called. And then last year there was the push off. But look, at some point you've got to stop being an emotional football team. You've got to realize you've got the talent, you've got the pieces. And instead of playing on emotion, you need to go out there and take care of business. And that's what I really need to see out of the Saints this year. I think they did add some good pieces in the offseason. They got rid of Eli Apple, which I about threw a party with all my friends when I heard that that was going to be a thing that happened. He is now the Panthers' problem. They can deal with him. And in his stead, they replaced him with Janoris Jenkins, who I think is another guy who, you know, really didn't get the, the biggest shot that he could have in New York. He really struggled. But, you know, from what I saw last year, he looked really good and really comfortable in that cornerback position. And then on top of that, they added Emmanuel Sanders who I think is going to be a really good piece for this team. I think Sanders is going to be one of those guys that can line up on the opposite end of Michael Thomas. He gives you a little bit of versatility, good route runner, decent deep threat, and I think that if Drew Brees can continue to find him, he might be the piece that really puts this already electric Saints offense over the top. The other team in the NFC South that everyone is talking about, and rightfully so, is the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. And you know what? When the Tampa Bay Buccaneers signed Tom Brady, I looked at the team, I looked at the way they had underachieved the last couple of years, and I was like, man, I just don't know if this team is going to be able to take that next step. And then they started adding people, and then they kept adding people, and then they kept adding people. And now you look at their offensive depth chart, it is absolutely ridiculous. This feels like a team that is almost too big to fail. You've got Tom Brady throwing the football. Granted, again, he's in the later stages of his career, but it's Tampa. He's going to be playing in warm weather. Two of his division rivals play in domes in the Saints and Falcons, so he's not going to have a whole lot to worry about there. I think he is going to be just fine. At running back, you've got Ronald Jones and Leonard Fournette now. At wide receiver, you've still got the, the Godwin and Evans combo. And then you bring back an aging Gronk, but the, the, the word out of training camp is that Gronk looks a lot more like his former self than he ever has in the past couple of years. He's not out there wearing a massive elbow brace. He looks like he's actually able to run a little bit faster than he was before. I think the year off was really good for Gronk in terms of what his body is capable of putting out on the field. And because of that, I've got the Bucks at 11-5. and five. And look, even as a Saints fan, even as somebody who picked the Saints to finish first in the division... It would not shock me to see this Tampa Bay team potentially finish ahead of New Orleans. I think they're for sure going to be a playoff team this year. And look out, because if that offense can get rolling the way we think it might be able to get rolling, this could quickly turn into one of the more dangerous teams in the NFL this season. Beyond that, the two teams that formerly had been uh, considered potential playoff teams, they've really fallen off. I want to start with the Atlanta Falcons. I've got them finishing at 6-10, and 10, and... Here's the thing. I think the Falcons had an awesome team a few years back. I think they definitely peaked the year that they, you know, obviously blew the 28 to 3 lead to the New England Patriots in the Super Bowl. I think that 
you know, we looked at a team in 2018 for the Falcons and we said, oh, well, they just, you know, they, they didn't catch any breaks and they had all these injuries, which they did. That was true. They did have a lot of injuries, but last year they got a lot of those guys back and they were just plain bad. I mean, it wasn't, it wasn't injuries. It wasn't breaks. They just don't have a team that's capable of competing anymore in today's NFL. And yeah, the offense is still really good. That defense is suspect. I mean, we've seen them lose games the 48 to 52 variety, the 42 to 48 variety. And I think that's going to continue again this year. I I think, again, I just don't see them being a team that's going to be able to push the envelope in an NFC that is absolutely loaded with teams that are loaded with talent. And because of that, I have the Falcons finishing at six and 10. And finally in the division, the Carolina Panthers, who I have finishing at 5-11. and And this is going to be an interesting year for the Panthers. I really think we're going to see the offense take a step forward this year. Um, I, I really liked what I saw out of Teddy Bridgewater. I liked what I saw out of him as a Viking. I really liked what I saw out of, out of him as a Saint last year. And I think as a Panther, he is going to fit in very well in that system. He's a dual threat guy. It's going to work out perfectly with the play action. I think he is going to fit right in with Christian McCaffrey and the rest of the weapons that they have on the offensive side. Where the Panthers concern me and where they concern everybody is on the defensive side of the ball. They are still recovering from losing Luke Keekley, And you just can't plan for that as a team. You can't plan for having, in my opinion, the best middle linebacker that this league has seen in the last five years just up and call it quits. And now you have this gaping hole in a defense that he was holding together that you have to fill. So I think for the Panthers, not only do I think they'll finish 5-11 and 11 because they're just not as talented as they could be, but I think that if they're smart, they're actually going to want to finish with fewer wins this year and try to get some draft picks to really shore this team up for the future. But I do think that Teddy Bridgewater could be the quarterback of the future with this team, and he will have an opportunity to prove it this season. Moving on to the NFC East, and this was an interesting one for me. Obviously, there are two teams at the top and two teams at the bottom. There is a lot of space in between those two groups, and I'm going to start with the team that I have making the playoffs. I have the same record for the Cowboys and Eagles this year. They both feel like eight and eight teams to me, and you know, before you call blasphemy and start you know, jumping down my throat about it, let me just give you a little reason why. So for the Dallas Cowboys, they have basically managed to go eight and eight on a pretty consistent basis for the last decade. You remember the stat that was there that Jerry Jones, the clapper and Tony Romo all had 500 records for like, I want to say it was like a seven year span. It was incredible to see that. Now, fortunately, Jason Garrett is out the door. Jason Garrett, no longer the head coach, but they brought in Mike McCarthy and and how much better is Mike McCarthy than Jason Garrett as a head coach because he was really struggling with a Packers team that let's be honest underachieved during his tenure in Green Bay so look I don't think that they're going to get killed when it comes to their schedule this year I think they do have some very favorable matchups but this is still a Dallas team that's relying on you know Dak Prescott who had a point to prove last season I think he'll regress a little bit this year and on Ezekiel Elliott who has been fantastic And on a defense that's solid, but again, I just don't think that this team is necessarily ready to make the next step. And until they can prove to me that they're not just a consistent 8-8 product, I don't necessarily think they're going to be jumping off the page at anybody this season. But I do have them making the playoffs over the Eagles, who I also have at 8-8. Now, here is why I have the Eagles at 8-8. Similar to what I said about the Houston Texans earlier, if you look at the team on paper... This is a team that has the potential to be great. This is the team that has the potential to really break out and make something of themselves this year. But the injuries are going to be a concern. And I don't think that all these guys do stay healthy. Here's the thing. If you look at their roster right now, they have four guys on injured reserve. They have three guys that have withdrawn from the 2020 season due to concerns about COVID-19. And they have 11, count them, 11 guys listed as being either questionable or doubtful for week one. This team is one or two big injuries away from being in real trouble. And I think, again, when you look at what they did last season and you look at the schedule that they got stuck with this year, if they're down a guy, especially if that guy is someone like Carson Wentz, they're going to be in trouble this year. So again, I think that they have the potential to be better than 8-8, eight and eight, but because of the injury concerns and the injury risks, I have the Eagles finishing 500. And again, in my projections, they just narrowly missed the playoffs. I've got Dallas in and Philly out. 
At the bottom of the division, we have two teams that I do not expect much out of this year, but fortunately, I don't think anyone really expects much out of them this year. The New York Giants, I have them slated to finish 5-11. and I think that if Daniel Jones is going to be the quarterback of this team, similar to what we talked about with Gardner Minshew, he really does need to take a step up this year. And yes, I get it. He was a rookie last season. He really didn't have that much experience. There was the whole back and forth, will they, won't they, with Eli Manning. But look, the job is yours now. You need to go out there and prove that you're the guy or you're going to get replaced. I think also for the Giants, health is a bit of a concern there as well. I don't know that they're going to be able to rely on Saquon Barkley to just completely carry the offense as they have in years past. And when I say health is a concern, most of what I mean is at their wide receiver spot. I mean, they've got Sterling Shepard who has has struggled to stay healthy in the past. And a lot of their other receivers have struggled in that aspect as well. So it'll be interesting to see if those guys can maintain the level of momentum that they found later in the 2019 season. But unless they get something figured out really quick, this just isn't a team, especially with their defense, that I think can go out and win more than five games this year. And then at the bottom, the Washington football team. Also, keep in mind, we are three days away from the season and they still don't have a team name yet. That is ridiculous to me. I don't know if they're planning on rolling something out before kickoff. I don't really know what their plan is. But look, for the Washington football team, I think that this team might be the worst team in football this year. I've got them scheduled to finish 2-14, and and that might be generous. But it's not just something that I think because of the talent on the field, I think it's also something that this organization needs. They need to be in a tank bowl this year. They need to be losing as many games as possible because if you want to change the culture, which I really do think that after that report, that scathing report that came out about the the formerly known Washington Redskins and what had been going on in that organization, I think they really do want to make a change. I think Ron Rivera is the right guy to do that. But if you want to build a new culture, one of the best ways to do that is to blow it up, start from scratch. I think they made the right move dumping Adrian Peterson. I think they don't have the depth to get a whole lot done this year. Obviously, they're going to have to decide whether they want Dwayne Haskins or Alex Smith in there at quarterback. I don't think either of those guys is going to carry this team to six or seven wins this season. And again, I just think that if the if the Washington football team wants to play their cards right, I think the best thing that they can do is tank this year, blow it up, and focus on the future in 2021. The final division, and arguably the most interesting. I think this division is absolutely loaded from top to bottom. I've got two of these teams finishing 12 and 4, one finishing 11 and 5, and one finishing at 9 and 7 in the NFC West. And I'm going to start with a team a lot of people have been counting out. And I think that is an absolute mistake. The San Francisco 49ers, I've got them at 12 and 4 this year. And, and here's the thing they went to the Super Bowl last year, they didn't really lose much in the offseason. And now. They've got people saying, well, you know, what did that run last year really mean? I mean, how how impactful was it and will they really be good again this year? I think people are still counting out Jimmy Garoppolo and what he brings to the table as a quarterback. I think people are still looking at the running back by committee that they like to run and questioning whether or not that business model is going to work. And look, for a lot of you guys that are on that train, I was with you last year. I was a San Francisco 49er doubter up until about week 14. And I just kept asking myself, how are they continuing to win football games? But again, they kind of run the same business model as the Titans. Here's the other thing. Vegas does not exist to lose money. If you look at the Super Bowl odds that Vegas put out prior to a couple of changes this week, the 49ers have the best odds to come out of the NFC and the third best odds in the entire league to win it all this year. That's not nothing. That means something. Because again, Vegas, those guys don't make their lines and set everything up so that guys can come in and wipe the floor with them and take all their money. They set that up because they're the experts. They know more than a lot of other people. And again, I just I like everything that they've done. I really do like the system that they have. And when you look at their schedule, they've got a lot of really winnable games. I think they're coming out of things at 12 and 4. I do not, however, think that they're going to be the only team finishing 12-4 and this year. I think the Seahawks are going to take another step up this year. And I think that, you know, if Chris Carson can stay healthy and Russell Wilson doesn't have to do everything again, I think this is a Seattle team that is really primed to make another deep playoff run. Again, it's going to be interesting to see how the NFC shapes out. I think the Seahawks could potentially win the NFC West, especially if they can find a way to beat the Niners in two games this year. I think that whichever one wins that series, if they don't split, I think that's the team that ends things at the top. But 
Yeah, I mean, Seattle, you know what you're getting. I mean, you get Russell Wilson, who is one of the few elite quarterbacks in the league. I would say if there are only six or five quarterbacks in the league that are elite, Russell Wilson is definitely one of them. You get Pete Carroll, who, as my friend Koki Riley and I have talked about in the past, there are really only seven or eight good NFL head coaches. Pete Carroll is definitely one of them. And again, you get a defense that brings a lot of guys back from last year. They shorted up a little bit in the draft. I think this is a team that is really going to be primed to go places in 2020. One team that I'm expecting to take a massive step up this year is the Arizona Cardinals. I have them at 11 and 5. And you know what? Regardless of whether or not this team actually wins 11 games this year, this is a Cardinals team that's going to be a lot of fun to watch. Kyler Murray is back, and he has help now. They went out, and they got him Kenyon Drake. They got him DeAndre Hopkins. By the way, when they got him DeAndre Hopkins, I don't think they were expecting to only have to give up David Johnson. They absolutely fleeced the Texans in that trade. And now you've got DeAndre Hopkins lining up as the one. That's really going to open up the field for a veteran in Larry Fitzgerald and, more importantly, a young, fast guy in Christian Kirk. And I think their defense is good enough to, to win them games. I really do. I think this defense is capable of coming up with big stops. I do think that a lot of their wins are going to be in high-scoring games, kind of the 28-35 to 35 variety. But this is a Cardinals team that I am really excited about this year, and I think that everyone in Arizona should be as well. I have them finishing at 11-5. and five. And finally, the Los Angeles Rams, after coming off of hard knocks and after coming off of a bit of a hard knocks season, I have them finishing at nine and seven. And here's the thing. I think the most important piece on this Rams team, it's not anybody on the defense. Ironically enough, it's not even Aaron Donald and it's not Jared Goff. It's not any of the receivers. It's Sean McVay. Sean McVay has proven himself to be one of the best head coaches in the league, and I think that his floor is 8-8. Eight eight. I have them at 9-7. and seven. I think they're going to win one more game. I do think that they are the worst team in the best division, and they have the steepest climb in terms of the schedule that they have this year. And, and you know what? For me, I think this is a Rams team that could still make the playoffs. I think it all comes down to one guy, and that guy is Cam Akers. If Cam Akers can go out and be kind of a Todd Gurley-esque running back and, and can really revitalize this offense and take some of the pressure off Jared Goff so he doesn't have to throw 20 interceptions again, I think this team is going to be primed for a potential playoff run. If he goes out there and is just kind of okay, I think that we're looking at more of the 8-8, eight 9-7 eight, type season that I'm projecting. And I don't think the Rams are necessarily going to be a team that we're talking about late in the year. But regardless of how you feel about it, I think the Rams are a pretty darn good football team. And most importantly, they're a team with one of the best head coaches in the league. And you cannot discount that if you're talking about teams going into the playoffs. There you have it. One word on all 32 NFL teams going into the 2020 season. Thank you again for tuning in. Before we go, it's the most important part of the show. It's time for me to make grand playoff predictions that will most certainly end up not coming true because this is football and we're just not allowed to have nice things. So, really quickly, here are my picks for the teams that will make the playoffs. Keep in mind there is an extra wild card slot up for grabs this year, 2020, adding that into the mix, which should make things very interesting. But here's a rundown of the teams that I have making the playoffs. In the AFC, my division winners are the Ravens, Chiefs, Titans, Titans and Bills. My picks for the three wildcard teams are the Patriots, Steelers, and the Texans at 9 and 7. In the NFC, my division winners are the 49ers, Saints, Packers, and Cowboys. And my three wildcard picks are the Seahawks, Cardinals, and Bucks. And of course, no season preview would be complete without a Super Bowl pick, so let's go ahead and get this out of the way, and I'm sure this will not be looked upon favorably come December. But my Super Bowl pick, to win it all, I am taking the Baltimore Ravens. Again, I think this is a team that has got a lot to prove this year, and I think they've got the talent to prove it. So I think this is the year that the Ravens really take that next step. I think the team that they will be meeting and defeating in the Super Bowl is the San Francisco 49ers, another team that I think is on a bit of a revenge tour in 2020, and I think that those two come to a head in the Super Bowl this year. But that'll do it for our 2020 season preview. I want to say thank you once again for tuning in to the TBH Sports Podcast here in episode number two. I really appreciate all your support. You can check out more of my sports content on Twitter at TBH Sports. And be sure to keep it locked right here to Mixcloud for future episodes of the podcast.